Genoa. This is Yusuf. And this is In yes, Flight Entertainment. Yes, and we are on the tail end of Saw Week. And uh, we are finishing out the Saw Week with the original Saw with 2004 Saw. Right. It is the Jigsaw's origin story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, what was happening in 2004 when this movie came out? Well, I tell you what, on TV, we either wanted to watch people sing or watch people solve crimes. Now, uh, going from five to one, uh, CSI Miami, number five, uh, Desperate, I keep forgetting about that. Desperate Housewives was around 2004. Okay. Uh, Desperate Housewives, 2004. Uh, number three, American Idol, Wednesdays. Uh, number two, American Idol, Tuesdays. And number one was the uh, CSI, just the regular old CSI. Right. And for those that don't know, CSI, the original, has made a comeback this year. Really? Yeah, they have CSI Las Vegas is back on TV. Some of the original characters are are uh, have come back to play their original roles. Ah, is it like the situation where they're training young CSI people? That's why they're back, or are they just doing their own thing again? No, they are back because one of the original CSI guys turns out he was shady and, and corrupted all of the data, and so now they have to determine whether or not all of the cases they solved back in two thousand and four were actually good, or was he messing things up for them? That is a brilliant way to break a show back. That right? is so good. Hats off to the show writer that like thought of that. I know. I'm, I appreciate that. Oh. I watched the first, episode, the first episode. It does a nice job of setting everything up. Uh, so for, you know, all those folks that like what, what one of my exes would call senior TV, um, mm-hmm. I encourage checking it out. Okay. I mean, well, because that's CBS, right? CBS, yeah. Well, C- yeah, CBS is known for senior TV, so whatever. Yeah, it's it's like <laughs> boomer friendly shows. Yeah, exactly, and they're good. Damn it! <laughs> I mean, yeah, like a great TV to have on while you're doing budget planning. Yes, <laughs> exactly. They all did their, their nice, juicy, self-contained hours, you know, yeah. and they move on to the next week, you know, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, wow, that is an awesome, that is such an awesome synopsis to justify that show coming back. That is good. That Actually, I'm going to watch it now, just based off of like, that synopsis right there. <laughs> I'm kind of hoping that they bring in some of the guest stars from like CSI Miami uh, and uh, CSI New York. Yeah, you know it's going to be one of those like like Marvel versus where like uh, uh, they're going to drop in from another show. Like, Oh yeah, I'm here. This uh, I just flew into, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. help you guys out. Right. I um, mean, they now have like so many NCISs um, that you definitely have to have some of those characters come over to CSI. Oh, totally. Yeah. But, I mean, uh-huh. but we're not here to talk about. Yeah, no, no. Uh, oh, okay. Before we get to saw, um, so the song we were listening to in October 29th, 2004, it was Goodies uh, by Sierra. 
I think I remember this song. It was definitely I, it was definitely a club song. Yeah, I, I was not the uh, target audience for that. Yeah. Isn't isn't uh, Sierra married to like uh, what's his name Russell Wilson, the, the Seattle quarterback? If you say so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah possibly. Uh, but yeah, so that's where we're bang- that's where we're banging our heads to, and at this time we we're flocking to movies because we were curious about this new horror like shot well is soon to be like <laughs> who who would who would have thought that this movie would be a springboard for the torture porn revolution yeah so um according to imdb this is the description of the movie um two strangers awaken in a room with no recollection of how they got there and soon discover their pawns in a deadly game perpetrated by a notorious serial killer. Uh, it was directed by James Wan, who has gone on to direct a shit ton of stuff. <laughs> so this was his first movie that he yeah. ever directed. Um, mm-hmm. It was actually him and the writer. The writer is um, Lee Wannell. Mm-hmm. Um, the two of them wrote this movie and it was a like a, a script challenge. How do you write a story that takes place in a single room because that's all that they could afford to film something? And they filmed it as a short, released it to some um, movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's my <laughs> <laughs> it showed at um, a movie festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a short and was picked up at this movie festival and they got full funding to do the bigger movie, the full length movie. Uh, Mm. But they still had a very small budget. So they really could only film in one room still. Mm. Uh, And they only had a couple days to film it. So like, this is, this is a nice example of their budget was $1.2 million, which Seems like a lot of money, but for movies, it's, it's not a lot. No. Um, not now. <laughs> um, and they they only had like a couple weeks to film it. They, I mean, this is a great example of like kids. If you can get the fun, a little bit of funding and can come up with creative solutions. This is what you, you know, you have the potential to create an entire Saw series. Mm-hmm. But James Wan has gone on to, I mean, he did Insidious, mm-hmm. uh, Insidious 2, The Conjuring. He did Fast and Furious 7. Mm-hmm. He did Aquaman. Your favorite. <laughs> um, he the new Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he... This led to him doing a lot of big things. Yeah. So yeah, and 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 like Jenna said, he figure out he figured out a way to show uh, producers that he can make make something big out of something small, and and sometimes that's what you know, you know like. You know, VCs and investors like when they see like oh let, let me see what you can do with limited resources you know they see you can do a saw they're like wow like if you could do a saw <laughs> with like 
this much money or a little money that is like, okay, we could give you a bigger budget. You can make it look like Lawrence of Arabia. Um, so like I do said, like, so all you boys, girls getting into the film, you know, make, make sure you know how to do practical stuff. And like, yeah, if you, if you can't do South by Southwest, do rope, make sure you can make your limited tools work for you and your story. And uh, yeah, and so it's uh, pretty, yeah. pretty good. Yeah. If you think about it, that's also how Robert Rodriguez got his start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Small and like being creative with the budget you have and you don't need to go big. You can, there are creative solutions. Exactly. Yeah. That's what John Carpenter did with the original Halloween. You know, like that wasn't a huge movie, you know, like they just, they just invested in the, the Panaglide camera to give you like those little creepy glidey steady cam shots. And that definitely upped the production look of the movie. Uh, but yeah, they didn't really have, you know, like 80 tons of blood to spill everywhere. They, they knew they had to make the kills count and clever ways of cutting it to make it look scary. Um, but yeah, that's how you do it. <laughs> so, I mean, even if you aren't into horror movies, this might be a movie to, to watch and explore how they went about doing that. True, true. Uh, yeah, and so what Jenna said with the the movie taking place in one room, we open up with uh, two uh, two fellows in a room chained to um, copper pipes or lead pipes, or whatever. Um, they can't move and they're on opposite sides of the room and a dead body is in the middle of the room that they cannot reach. Uh, and pretty much the movie works its way backwards to one, how they got there two who could possibly be the person that put them there, you know, and why. Uh, so you kind of have these parallel uh, plots going on. The same time. The the film was it was actually filmed in chronological order. So the first scene you see of the two men locked in the bathroom together um, is the like the first scene that they filmed. And there are flashbacks throughout the movie that you get in order to help tell the story of how they got to where they are today. Right, exactly. Uh, Yeah. Oh, sorry. So uh, so the movie stars. The Princess Bride's very own Carrie Ellis. Yeah. <laughs> it was a pretty weird seeing him in this movie. Like, wait a minute, you're supposed to be the Princess Bride. What you doing? It's up so dark and bleak. Yeah, uh, he was in. Um, he was in another movie where he plays a serial killer. Uh, something girls. One oh, was it, oh, was it the Morgan Freeman one? Yes, the Morgan Kiss Freeman the girls, right? Kiss the girls, yeah, yeah. Yes, I keep forgetting he was a. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he, he's very he's multi talented. <laughs> um, yeah, and it stars him. I, uh, I say he does a great job of playing that the guy that you feel is safe, and I feel because there's an entire generation that connects him to Wesley from the Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. We all view him as a safe character. Yeah. And so when they cast him in in roles where he plays like the slime bag or a serial killer, 
even when I know it's going to be that way, it is still shocking. <laughs> so you don't supposed to be like this. He's Wesley. Exactly. And he was Robin Hood in many times. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's, yeah. Yeah. He just have that, he just have that presence. It's like, oh, you're cool, man. Like, that, you know, that's nothing wrong with you. But he's it's like the puppy dog that you don't think anything bad's going to happen when he's around. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the film also stars uh, Michael Arison. Uh, for people who used to watch Lost, he was in other movies, but you know, I know him from Lost. Uh, my man Benito Martinez from The Shield, Officer Acevedo in The Shield. There's there's two guys from Lost. Uh, also Ken Ling. Yep. He's from Moss. Moss, exactly. Uh, we have Lee Wannell. Wannell. Yeah, yeah, Lee Wannell. Yeah, Lee Wannell. Isn't he? He's like one of the. Isn't he the one of the writers? Yeah, oh. Lee, Lee Wannell. Yeah, so he's oh, yes. so that's yeah. an actor. Yeah. So he's actor and part writer of the movie. Co co writer. Yeah, and uh, and Monica Potter. Uh, people who love Con Air knows Monica Potter because Monica Potter was the wife of Nicolas Cage in Con Air. Oh, uh, that's so funny. I totally forgot she was in that movie. I was thinking more along the lines of she's in a Freddie Prince Jr. movie called Head Over Heels. Mm. Um, and so I, I went to the rom-com place. I, I guess Con is Con Air rom-com? Yeah. Is rom rom action? No, it's straight goofball, off the wall, Jerry Bruckheimer craziness action. <laughs> yeah, but Nicholas Hay, Nicholas Cage have to get back to his wife and kids, and that's when Monica Potter falls in place. <laughs> yeah, she she's like she's a model. Come like she went. For, she was a a model that turned into an actress. And I think she maybe has done better as an actress. She's um, in another, like we, she was in another Morgan Freeman free, free yeah. movie. Along came, came a sp- spider. The, another twist. I was like, Oh, I didn't expect that. I mean, yeah. with a specific character, similar yes. to what we're talking about. Yes. I remember that so well. I'm like, oh, What? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. I think we got to have a month of like kind of detective mystery and kind of include some of those Morgan Freeman's and some of some other detective movies. I think we need to have a couple of those in. We we can do that. Yeah. (laughs) We'll we'll throw it in with the uh, LA Confidential since we still have to do that. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Definitely got to do that. Uh, Cool. All right. So. And this movie, um, that's when we're introduced to um, kind of like the parameters of the game. This is our first introduction to the game. Um, and there's there's almost like a... Okay, so can you say that escape rooms were more or less based off of like someone watching Saw? I was like, you know what? That could be a good game, like a skate room. Like you guys have so many minutes to figure out how to get out. Because when I watched it again, I'm like, it's kind of reminds me of like an escape room almost. <laughs> I'll I'll give you that. I'll give you that. 
Yeah. Because it's like, okay, you have to figure out the clues to get to this, to find that, to get the key. You know, it's like, it's kind of like an escape room, almost. Except you die if you don't make in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do, like, okay. As someone that has done home projects, um, and I, I had I had a I had a major issue with this movie. Okay, true. Um, in that I have had to cut through metal with a hacksaw mm. in my house, and yes, it took a couple hours for me to do. But these people could have escaped just if they were consistent and focused on cutting through the lock on their chains. They would have escaped. There was a. They had a hacksaw. <laughs> Hacksaws cut through metal. If if it's good enough to cut through your leg, it is good enough to cut through metal. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, agreed. And there's your uh, <laughs> and there's your tidbit from it, flight entertainment. It took me out of reality because I saw the hacksaws and I was annoyed. Um. That's right, but you know what? I totally agree because one thing what I seen them, you know, try to saw like they went with like the thickest part of the chain, but the lock itself was a little thinner. I'm like, well, why can't, why don't you just work on the actual lock and not the the chain ring? Yes, agreed. Okay, all right, you know, suspense, you know, they just need to try to get the suspense going. <laughs> But I lost. I, I I missed the part where how much time did they have countdown? Was it six hours? Yeah, they had six hours. Yeah. Oh my god! They totally they totally cut <laughs> the lock in six hours. Probably could have cut through it in like two hours. True. True. <laughs> oh. I don't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I agree. I, I'm I'm on board. I did like that's one thing, and I'm I'm glad I'm not the only one because. When I see them go straight for the actual chain, I'm like, don't you want to like work on actual lock, or did I watch it wrong? <laughs> and then how quickly does he cut through his fucking ankle? I mean, come on, it's gonna take it's your those the hacksaws don't necessarily they can't grip the skin very well so they don't necessarily cut through the skin that easily and definitely not through the meat once you get to the bone layer it's going to cut through a little bit easier but it's hard to get that hacksaw on the skin just right so it would have been faster cutting through the, the lock yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds like you've done this before i i as I was watching Saw, I went and read a bunch of articles on uh, using Saws to cut through tissues. <laughs> Not that she's ever done it, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, right. She read through it. She read research. Okay? Although I can like, maybe should we go get like a giant uh, uh, leg of some animal and try cutting through it to, to, to test this theory out? Or like a leg of lamb or something? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I only read the articles, but yeah, most could- of the- were, we're based on cutting through like pork or lamb or something. Yeah, yeah we could do a Mythbusters in your backyard. We'll like get a big leg of lamb and like saw. Uh, then we'll tab it. Like we have a stopwatch. We, uh, just hack away. See how long it takes. Okay. And then we should have the lock, have a lock 
that kind of mimics the thickness of that lock that was in a movie and then have then just do that and see how long it is. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So that way of like, okay, yeah, if you could do it this time, that's that okay. So they could have totally got out of it that I'm telling you, it would have taken less than six hours. They just needed to focus on the little, on the lock on the one side where you pull it out so that once you cut through it, it will swing open and they would have been all set. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, they're, they were, they were, they were, they weren't thinking right. They're in panic. Like, you know, right, and they were but- forceful. I mean, they were really like kind of pressing down and kind of like put pressure into it. Then one of them kind of broke theirs. I think. It's not about the pressure, it's about the consistent back and forth. Right. Motion. But they were like kind of like, you know, kind of putting pressure down and doing this. Like, it's like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But, be, but beyond the. It's like sanding, you know? Yeah. It's like the friction yeah. going back and forth. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, the wax on, wax off, right? Yes. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so we got uh, so actually Danny Glover's in this movie, guys, um, and he's a detective. A detective. So of course, all I could think of was what? So after Lethal Weapon, he came and worked at this this place. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was just waiting for uh for uh, Mel Gibson to pop up, like, hey, what we got there? <laughs> what we got there, Raj? <laughs> But uh, now we didn't get we didn't get rigs in, so, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, and, and so and it has like the kind of bait and switch uh, at a certain point in the movie because we see uh, the Danny Glover detective character, you know, uh, get, getting really obsessed uh, because his partner got killed by Jigsaw, and so at a certain point of the story. It, have you think that Danny Glover is like the killer? Um, so it had a little kind of bait and switchy thing going on at a certain point of the plot, just to kind of keep you on your toes. It's like, oh, right. There, I, there's like three different bait and switches in here. Yeah, because yeah. it it sets you up to start to think that uh, Carrie Elwes' character is might be Jigsaw. Then you start to think maybe Danny Glover is. And then you start to think uh, Michael Emerson is, and then right. you finally get the big reveal at the end mm-hmm. about who it, who it actually is. All right. Yeah. So you know, it it it, it kept you guessing with the B plot, and on top of that, it goes back into the room. It's like, okay, how are they gonna you know get out of this situation, and how are they gonna piece things together, and so yeah, I mean, uh, it's such a tight micro. Uh, I guess that's not a micro budget, but like, you know, far as telling the story, it's such a small budget with limited, you know, scenes and locations and stuff like that. I mean, you know, from a technical standpoint, yeah, I definitely respect this movie a lot more, like rewatching it um, for, you know, what it achieved. Yeah, and and so I was reading through when I wasn't reading about what it takes to cut through tissue. <laughs> uh, I was reading about the trivia on the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, when they they only had eighteen days to film the entire film, and when they went to go edit it, they realized that they didn't have enough to edit it. So while you're watching the movie, there's all these scenes where it looks like they are. Um, 
like a character is watching um uh like they have him he has them on camera that he's watching right. on them like and so, yeah so all those scenes were actually done in an edit and not actually part of the filming it's that they they needed something to fill the space mm. yeah they say fix it in post <laughs> Uh, and, and this is one of the most profitable horror films of all time. Really? Uh, it, beat out, it beat out Blair Witch? I believe so. I mean, I'm, according to the BBC, yes. <laughs> uh, which is probably why it got so many sequels. Yeah, true that. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's funny, like, it's always those movies that those new horror IPs that kind of come from the ground up from more bare bones kind of filmmaking that launches sequels, uh, you know, like your Halloween's, like your Saw's, like your, I mean, I don't think Friday the 13th wasn't um, a huge budget movie when it came out. Um, I, I guess the, the, twi- I, the flip side, I think, Nightmare on Elm Street probably had a decent budget. I don't think that was a, a, no, a budget. That felt like a big, big budget movie. Yeah, I think out of all the horror franchise, Friday, I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street probably was the one that was like, okay, it had a little, it had a decent budget behind it to make it look how it looks <laughs> and pull up all the crazy stuff. Yeah. Uh, so our Halloween ratings go as follows. Uh, Sit down, watch the movies, watch the movie, avoid the trick or treat is knocking on the door. Don't answer because the movie is that good. Um, put your shoes on, kind of play going outside or doing something else like, like making your yearly budgets or uh, cleaning and or doing stuff like that. Uh, and the, the worst of the worst is I'd rather go outside and fight hordes of vampires and COVID lay zombies before I stay home and watch this movie. Uh, I mean, for me, it's I like do things around the house so you have this on in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a background. Um, okay, is to me is is background skewing a little bit towards sit down only because of what we were saying before, uh, earlier about you know a director making the best of like the, the resources they have and as far as like a filmmaker upcoming filmmaker or people that's uh, curious about you know how to make a movie make a tight movie um, with you know little budget or what have you like it's definitely a good movie to watch just to see how it was executed uh, and like General said, you know, how it was edited, how, you know, how they made made everything click uh, with the amount of days that they had to shoot the movie. And yeah, and I would say I, I would give it a sit down for that element. Like, you know, well, just kind of see how you can do it, <laughs> how it can be done on a low budget. Yes, definitely watch it. It, it would inspire. I, I believe it would inspire you to, you know, do something if you want to go that route and do like a uh, an independent film on a low budget, a low budget. But uh, yeah, so I yeah I, I, I I'm straddling the line on that one. Like yeah, it's, it's a 
it's a clean to do stuff. But if you're curious on how you can do do a movie, you know, with a tight budget, watch it. Right. So from a filmmaker's perspective, it's sit down from a audience perspective. It's sort of yeah. have it on. Just have it on. Exactly. Like Jen was saying, like if you've seen if you seen one and we're like maybe seven saws in, and I'm sure you kind of get the gist of what the franchise is. Like if you've seen or had a gist of a saw, you kind of seen them all. So I mean, if you're curious about the first one, like how it kind of came about, yeah, check it out. You know, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much it. <laughs> uh, so next week we are uh, we are going to dive into some vampire movies for the month for wrapping up Halloween month, and then um, then we're getting into Thanksgiving uh, and Indigenous month for November. So stay tuned to more movies, and we're back to our regular review time uh, the break is over regularly scheduled program ladies and gentlemen <laughs> cool until next week we wish everyone safe physical distancing and get your shots yes, yes.